Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Mary's little baby, he's born. went old school on us. Every now and then you have to go old school. I woke up this morning with Ruth Owens on my mind. And then I came to the prayer circle and Pastor Joseph provided a report that was even worse than the report that I had gotten the day before. And the report was that not only is her husband in critical condition, but her brother had a stroke. And I thought, this is why I woke up with Sister Owens on my mind. And I'm going to get off script a little bit because there is a time and a place for everything. And the time and place right now is we need to pray. If you were on the call yesterday, you heard from our very own pastor that not only is her mother in failing health and they got her in a facility, but her sisters are not in good health. If you were in the prayer circle, you also heard people calling out, Sister Bacon has the flu. Yes, sir. The devil is busy, but we're not going to get distracted. We're going to go to God in prayer because we're confident that in this moment that God will deliver us. Uh, Deacon Bing Lawson, Deacon Huff, if you will come down and stand in the gap for Sister Owens. Deacon Keith, come on. I know you're not serving right now, but you've been a long deacon in that family. Come on down. Also believe that the pastor's in your family as well. Oh my goodness. Deacon Jones, Deacon Leet, come on down and stand in the gap for Sister Bacon. And Deacons Morant and Deacon Bill, I haven't gotten a report from your family, but I know there's something going on. Come on down and stand in the gap. Did I leave out any other deacons? Did I get them all? Come on, Deacon Taylor. How could I forget the leader? How could I forget the leader? 
Deacon Don, I don't know if you're in the house, but if so, you come on down too. And the reason why I'm bringing the deacons down is because they are the caretakers. So when the families are pressed, they are pressed. So we need to enclose them in prayer. Everybody stand to your feet. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Head bowed, eyes closed. Father God, in this moment, we are under attack. It seems that everything that could go wrong is going wrong. The devil is yet busy. The world would tell us there is no hope. The world would tell us it's over. The world would tell us that we're in trouble. But Father God, in this moment, what I know is, is that there is a hope. I know that you are a deliverer. I know that you specialize in miracles. I know when things don't look good, you show up. So in this moment, what I'm asking you to do is reach out and touch John Owen. I'm asking you to reach out and touch Ruth's brother. I'm asking you to heal their bodies. I know that I'm asking for. But I know that you can deliver. And as our pastor is away helping her family, Father God, I want you to touch her family, touch her sisters, touch her mother. Remind them that you are yet present. And this situation did not catch you by surprise. Father God, if you would so kindly stop by and touch our pastor. She's in a season of transition. But remind her that you are going to go every step of the way with her. That her labor has not been in vain. That you have a plan in this season of transition. And Father God, if you were so kindly stop by the Bacon household in this moment. We didn't like the report that we got on Sister Bacon. Yes, sir. But we know that we serve a God that is able. So if you could just touch her body and provide some relief. And touch Deacon Bacon as he provides the care. And Father God, we ask that you enclose the bell, Deacon family, and the Morant Deacon family, and the Taylor Dixon family. We know that we don't have the reports, but we know something is going on because that's the time we live in. So we know that you're yet able to be everywhere at one time. So we ask that you touch the deacon families. We ask that you touch the deacons as they provide care in the time of need. We ask that you give them wisdom, give them love, give them compassion, give them strength, give them everything that they need so that they can take care of your people. And Father God, we are going to give you all the honor and all the glory because we're going to put our trust in you. We know that you're going to deliver because you've never failed us yet. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, deacons.
before I get replaced. <laughs> before I get into trouble, before they say, we don't want that Jones back up there. I'm going to get on my assignment. And that assignment is first I'm going to say thank you to Deacon Jones. Uh, she is always uh, there to support me and I appreciate you, Deacon Jones. I, while I'm at it, gonna thank uh, Deacon Jones' family. My in-laws are in the house. My sister-in-law, my brother, both my brother-in-laws in the house. They have the habit of showing up. <laughs> Every time I preach. And I thank God for them because we know it could be the other way. They could run in a different direction. And so we thank God for them. I thank God for Pastor in her absence. We love you, Pastor. We are praying for you, Pastor, and we're confident God is going to work in your situation. But most importantly, I thank God. I don't take this opportunity lightly. Father God, in this moment, move me. Get me out of the way. This is not about me, but it is about you. So use me to have a conversation with your people. Hide me behind that cross so they only see you and not me. And Father God, give them a word just for you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I appreciate the praise team going old school this morning. Let me give you another song. The first line in the song, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand, is life is filled with swift transition. You know the song. I'm coming to understand that line just a little bit more. Especially in the last year. In the last year, Linda got a new job. A close friend died in September. My principal announced that she was being promoted in October. Two assistant principals announced that they were leaving. And about a month ago, Pastor told us that she was Retiring. That's a lot of transition. That's a lot of change. And Linda would tell you that I'm generally a person that handles change very well. That that's usually a strength of mine. But if I'm honest with you in this moment, the change is coming at me fast. And my mental capacity to put everything in perspective is not working out. But the Lord delivers. And the Lord delivered in a interesting way. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Wilmington, North Carolina. I was attending a professional development called Lost in Transition. It was an art exhibit curated by Michael S. Williams. The artist was Alexandria P. Clay of Durham. The exhibit consisted of charcoal portraits of local important black educators in Wilmington prior to integration of public schools. And what we learned in the moment is a lot of those educators when schools integrated got fired. But they didn't come back because they were told they would not have a job. 
But these people were instrumental in the education of our children before integration. They were the backbone of the community. They were people like Lydia Haskins, English and drama teacher at Williston Douglas High School. There were people like William Gray Lowe, social studies teacher at Williston High School. And I'm showing the pictures for a reason because we need to understand our history. We miss that. We need to understand who stood in front of us, before us, who made a way for us. There was Dorothy Bailey Jackson Johnson, who taught at Williston, but became a school board member in 1976 and reelected again in 1980. There was Fred J. Rogers, Raleigh native, Shaw graduate, served as principal of Williston from 1929 to 1951. There was Lucille Simon Williams, who graduated from Williston as the valedictorian and saw it not robbery to return, return there to teach English. And then finally, there is Bertha Boykin Todd, who served as one of the two librarians at Williston Industrial High School and served New Hanover County in a number of capacities. The purpose of the exhibition was to honor black educators who served in segregated schools. They used the following data. I want you to hear this to introduce the exhibit. This is data coming from New Hanover County. Black students in New Hanover County are three grades behind their white classmates. They are 8.5 times more likely to be suspended. Blacks make up 50% of the suspensions while only being 20% of the population. There's also an opportunity gap. White students in New Hanover County are five times more likely to be enrolled in at least one advanced placement class as compared to their counterparts. Now, I know I'm using some language you don't understand, but advanced placement sets you on a path to college. And I would be remiss if I let you walk away thinking that that data only applies to New Hanover County. It applies to Wake, Durham, Chatham, everywhere. Thank you. So when we consider that data, we would think we are in trouble. When I consider that data, I am thinking about what have I been doing for the 25 years? I may have been making a difference, but the data, the data, data looks like I'm blowing in the wind. The purpose of this exhibit was to invite teachers from all over the state to not only see the exhibit, talk about the history, but also be the audience for the taping of an interview for the only remaining black educator in Wilmington from segregated schools still living. And that would be Miss Bertha Boyd Todd, 
And I think I have a picture of Miss Todd and myself. Uh, there she is in our younger years, and then there is a picture uh, between us. And what you'll notice is she's 93 years old, but I swear she looked like she was 50. And she moved around and she talked. about a person on a mission. And she shared with us that the reality of the situation is she didn't want to do any of the work. And what do I mean by the work? Ms. Boyd, I mean, excuse me, Ms. Todd is a living legend. She is one of the co-chairs of the foundation that started the commemoration of the 1898 Wilmington Massacre. And so... Some of you don't know what that means, but what happened is it's the only successful coup in American history, and it happened down in Wilmington, and it took black people out of power, and it massacred some of them, and it ran them out of town. Well, it's Miss Todd that helped co-chair the 100th commemoration of that in 1998. And I was here in 98, and what I remember, throughout the state, there were all these inserts in the newspapers commemorating the event. Now, she wasn't the only one involved, but her work led to those inserts. Her work led to bringing some healing to the community. She's written several books she said to us, they were giving me all the credit, but the reality is I didn't do it by myself. That I wanted the people that did the work to get the credit. But here's what I got from Miss Todd. She said something that struck me. She said, if I'm honest with you, I never would have done this work had my sister and my husband lived. Well, what do you mean? She was the caretaker for her twin sister and her husband when they were in failing health. And they died within a few months of each other. And she said the commission had come to her before and she had turned them down because she had a job. And she said at the time when her sister and her husband died, she didn't understand what was happening. She questioned her faith. She questioned God. But she said she hung on anyway. And what she learned in that moment is that God had a plan for her. That even in the midst of her tragedy, there was a plan for her life. There was an opportunity for her to follow through on God's plan so that not only that she could bless herself, but so she could bless others. She didn't get lost in the transition. This is our assignment. We must be like Miss Todd. We must be like David. And not get lost in the transition. Well, what do you mean? David, too, had several transitions in his life from shepherd to musician to slaying Goliath to running from Saul to becoming king and sinning and making some mistakes over and over again, and I, 
I know I'm in the saints and the saints are listening online. And some of you say, well, I can't relate to David, but I can relate to David. So I'll go on by myself relating to David. Because I'd made a few mistakes in my time. But if you look closely at Psalm 30, there are some clear instructions for us. If we understand that in Psalm 30, the setting may be unclear, but most scholars believe that this was written after David's sin of numbering the Israelites. That the story is found in 1 Chronicle chapter 21. You can read that on your time. But in 1 Chronicle, God basically gives David three choices, three options for his sin of taking the census. He could have three years of famine, three months of being swept away by his enemies, or three days of the plague from an angel of God. They said, I will choose to fall in the hands of God because God's mercies are great. And so as the plague hitting and ravaging the community, David pleaded with God. Why do you punish the sheep? It was the shepherd that sinned. And so the angel of the Lord said to David, go up to Arunanus, threshing for and build an altar and worship there. Go up and build an altar and worship there. And as they were worshiping, watch this, God told the angel, put your sword back in your sheath. This is over. It's unclear whether David himself was struck by the plague, as some commentators believe, while others believe that it was the emotional distress. Now, I don't know if you can think and imagine you are responsible for hundreds of people dying because of your sin. That's where David was. And so we look into Psalm 30 and we hear these instructions. Verse number one says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies glow over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You brought me up from the rim of the dead. You spared me from going down in the pit. David started praising God in the midst of his trouble. He didn't even know what the end result would be. He just started praising God. What are you doing in the midst of your trouble? If you miss that, that's point number one. Praise God while you're going through. I don't share this story a lot because uh, it's hard to get through. I don't really talk about the death of my father because sometimes I can't finish the story. In 2010, 
My father had a massive stroke. Lynn and I flew to Mississippi to be there. News was not good. And as the news seemed to get worse, I pulled out my phone, I connected the earbuds, I gave Linda the left one, I got the right one, and we began to sing how great is our God. And as we were singing, family members just kept coming by asking questions, what are y'all doing? Just interrupting our praise moment. And then my mother got tired of it and intervened. And anybody she could hear, she said, they are praising God. Leave them alone. My father stabilized temporarily in that moment. But the reality is, is that as I began to praise God, God began to talk to me. He began to share with me what the end result was going to be. And so my father stabilized and there looked like there was going to be a recovery. And so then I had to organize a family meeting because we had to plan for the long term. And as I facilitated this meeting, there were all kind of plans being made. From restructuring the house and who was going to help and all of those things. And everybody left the meeting feeling okay. But when I got alone with Deacon Jones, I said, Deacon Jones, you don't have to worry about all of that stuff that they're saying. None of that is going to happen. The Holy Spirit had already told me my father was not going to come out of that hospital room. But the family was not there in that moment. That's where I was. So as I prepared to come back to Raleigh, the Holy Spirit said, say your goodbyes now. You're not going to see your father again. So when we got back to Raleigh, I was not surprised when my, my, my mother called a few days later and said, he's taking a turn for the worse there is. No more brain activity. He's gone. And she says to me, she says, Marlon, do you want me to leave him on life support until you get back to say your goodbyes? And I said, that won't be necessary. I've already said my goodbyes. So you're asking me, why am I telling you this story? I'm telling you this story that even though I kept praying for a different outcome, because I praised God in the moment, he prepared me for what was going to happen. And so I was able to hang on because I knew what the end result was going to be. Didn't make it any easier to deal with, but I was prepared. That takes me to point number two. Verses four and five says, sing the praises of the Lord. You his faithful people praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. We love the part about the weeping only for a night, but joy comes in the morning. But we miss probably the most important part there, his favor 
a lifetime. Yes, sir. So what do you mean his faith? That means I, as Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. So point number two is not about your plans. It's about God's plans. What do you mean, Reverend Jones? I'll give you another personal example. After my father's death and I had returned to Raleigh, what most of you don't know is that Pastor and I had been in discussion about my call to ministry for a while. That's when I was running, but we don't have to tell that side of the story. And so she wanted to pick up that discussion in uh, 2011. And I hesitated. I said to Pastor, I don't know about this. I was still grieving my father. I was still devastated. I said, I'm not sure. And of course, you know, Pastor gave me a good talking to, and I won't share that (laughs) with you. And she was right in everything that she said. But the Holy Spirit said to me, this is a time of choosing. Will you choose me or will you turn away? It was about God's plan. Now, you already know the choice because I'm standing before you. But it was about God's plan. I'll give you a more recent example from my life. In 2020, uh, Brother Charles Phillips and I were put in charge of the church's finances. I was a full-time teacher at the time, and I was in graduate school at the time. We sat in that room back there, the finance room, and I can't remember if it was before the bookkeeper left or after the bookkeeper left. I can't remember. I looked at Brother Charles, and I said, Brother Charles, I don't know why I am sitting in this seat. I said, I'm too busy for this assignment. And Brother Charles listened to me complain And that wasn't the only time I complained that year, but he listened. (laughs) But Brother Charles said to me, he said, Reverend Jones, he said, Marlon, I'm going to tell you something. He said, when you want something done correctly and you want to safeguard it and you want it done efficiently. And I'm paraphrasing his words. You go find the busiest person that you know and you get them to do it because then you know it's going to get done. Right. And I sat on that a long time. I said, so because I'm good at something else, I have to do this job. Well, to make a long story short, that was God's plan. Because if you had ever asked me if I was going to be in charge of somebody else's finances, I would have told you absolutely not. But as I reflect on that moment, God was moving me in that position because he had an assignment for me. The church had a need and I was able to do it. It wasn't about my plan because see my plan, if you remember, Pastor Joseph, most people don't remember this. My plan, I had just stepped down from being a youth pastor. My plan was to catch my breath. That was my plan. But God had a different plan. And I'm pleased to say that after 
two years, the church still wants me to be their finance chair. And I take that job with as an honor that you have trusted me uh, because I didn't do anything but what God told me to do. We have been blessed in these two years, not because Marlon was sitting in the seat, not because Charles was sitting in the seat, not because Brother Anthony is sitting in the seat. We were blessed because God blessed us. He is faithful. But we responded in what? Obedience. So I say all that to say it's not about your plans. So even when difficult things happen, even when transition happen, you got to remember God has a plan for you. God is not caught by surprise. God has already ordained what's going to happen. You've just got to hang on long enough to see it. Verses six and seven. Watch this. Says, when I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. Point number three don't become overconfident. That's your downfall. If I'm honest with you, by the time I had gotten to 2009 before my father, excuse me, 2010 before my father had died, I had become overconfident. If I'm honest, I had just married Deacon Jones over there. We had recently turned from our honeymoon. The plans, my plans, they were all working out. But here's the problem. I was not consulting with God. I was consulting with myself because I had gotten the big head. And so folks, even when things are going well for us, we have to be praying and talking to God so that we don't get the big head and we don't become overconfident because what sometimes happens when you become overconfident, you don't get back up. So you've got to consult with God and not your self. And I'm not going to be with you long. Point number four says, remember where your help comes from. If you look at verses eight through 10, it says to you, Lord, I called to the Lord. I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down into the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, watch this, be my help. David cried out to the Lord because he knew where his help was coming from. But Psalms 121 says like this, I look to the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. In other words, if you find yourself in a transition, don't let the devil confuse you or deceive you. God has not abandoned you. When you get a medical condition 
or a medical assignment or a medical diagnosis. Don't listen to the world because they will tell you it's over. Talk to the God that created you. When your boss has gotten on your last nerve, they won't leave you alone. And they're giving you all kind of trouble. Don't quit your job. Have a conversation with the Lord. He can intervene for you. When your husband or your wife has not treating you well, remember that you have a relationship with the God who created him or her. When your children won't do right, don't do like some people do and give up on them. Remind yourself and remind them that they are a child of the living God. When the holidays arrive and you find yourself like me and others missing loved ones. Talk to yourself for a minute. Remind yourself that your loved ones are actually doing better than you. They are with the creator. You still on this side trying to make it. You will see them in due season. So when you find yourself in transition, and you begin to wonder, it may seem like your foundation is appearing to move. I want you to remember the lessons of Psalm 30. Praise God during your trouble. Remember that it's not about your plans, but it's about his plans. Don't become overconfident because that's going to bring about your downfall. And remember that you have something David did not. You got Jesus. And Jesus paid a price so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? Amen. Come on, Pastor Joseph. If you are ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, we invite you to pray this prayer with us. And it says, Dear Lord, I admit that I am a sinner and there is nothing that I can do to save myself. I ask for your forgiveness. And you can do this if you are streaming. At this moment, I believe you alone are the one who bore my sins when you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Today, I turn from my sinful life and invite you into my heart. I will trust you and follow you all of the days of my life. Thank you for saving me and hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, 
come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-cary.org. Thank you again.